Pittsburgh Steeler fans, hello. Welcome to the Curtain Call podcast. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. My co-host for the Curtain Call is none other than Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing excellent. Just I'm a little under the weather. And so I'll try not to cough or at least mute it if I have to. I've been told I have a beautiful voice, like a red-breasted turkey vulture. But I'm not up to my normal par tonight, so just kind of overlook me. All right. Hey, hey, do your best, man. <laughs> Every offseason on the Curtain Call, we bring in special guests to cover the NFL draft. Prospects from all over the country tonight. We have a very special guest here to talk to us about draft prospects from the Ohio State University. You know him from the Steeler Power Half Hour, BTSC's own Chris Pugh. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeffrey Shan. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> All right. So today we're going into Ohio State, and obviously Ohio State has been a wide receiver factory uh, for, for a number of years. This draft class is no different. Uh, expected to have both their top wide receivers go in the first round. We'll start with Chris Olave. Can you tell us a little bit about Chris Olave, what type of receiver he is? He's a very good receiver. There's not much wrong with him at all. Uh, sometimes you see guys are really fast and maybe struggle with their hands or uh, vice versa. Olave does a lot of really good things that are impressive. I actually, um, you know, we also have Garrett Wilson, which I'm sure we to talk about in a second. Um, Olave is rated slightly behind Garrett Wilson, but not by much. Um, it seems like Wilson's a little bit more of a complete receiver, but Lava has done a bunch of great things uh, for Ohio State. He's going to make some team happy. Uh, we've looked at a lot of the mock drafts. We've talked to people about where they're projecting. I see a Lava go as high as 11. Um, I looked at a mock draft today that had a Lava going down to 28. So I think he's somewhere in the first round. It depends on what teams think about him. We've actually talked to some people that say, hey, don't believe the mock drafts. Um, Olave Wilson may go a lot higher. I mean, you look at what's happening with Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin. Some of these guys are scrubbing their the team name from their social media accounts. That may actually force some of these NFL teams to consider these receivers just a little bit higher than they normally would. Um, there's been a lot of talk about that. This wide receiver class is loaded. They're saying up to seven receivers in the first round, maybe 20 receivers in the first three rounds, which would be a record. Uh, but Wilson, it's a lot of people is number one on that list. A lot of it's not that far behind. It's a great receiving core, and I don't think any team would be disappointed by either one of them. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's basically, you know, which guy is going to be a better fit? you know, for your program. And uh, I think Olave is really just a natural. He's the complete receiver that way. Uh, he catches the ball so clean. Uh, and he seems like he's just always under control. Well, somebody recently compared him to Lynn Swan in one of our discussion threads. And I'm saying I won't go that far because, you know, the Swan's leaping ability and big play ability. It's hard to compare anybody, but his gracefulness and the way he moves is very is kind of Swan-like. Um you are really familiar more than I am with um, Wilson. How does Wilson, who does he remind you of? He, to me, just what I've, a little bit I've watched, he reminds me of um, McLaurin. But, you know, because where you've watched both of them, do you see similarities there? Yeah, that's a good example, uh, McLaurin. He's actually an Ohio State guy, too. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of, 
I get jealous. You know, we're back to Steelers here. Um, you know, Jamar Chase was a franchise changer, not just a good rookie receiver. Mm-hmm. And I kind of look at it and say, man, could Wilson Olave be that guy for wherever they get drafted? I'm not quite sure either one of them are up to the Jamar Chase standard. Uh, but I think these are guys who could easily become number one, especially Garrett Wilson on a, a team that's in need of a wide receiver. I think Chris Olave may not be a definite one, but they're definitely in the mix. But, uh, Shane, to answer your question, I think um, McLaurin's a good comparison for Wilson. Um, Wilson can just catch. I mean, he catches balls at the high point. He catches contested passes, and he's fast. He can stretch the field, too. I think both of those would be guys the Steelers could use. I just don't see Wilson being there at all at 20 unless the Steelers trade up. And if they trade up, I don't think they're trading up for uh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, with the Steelers at wide receiver, we obviously have Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson through this season. One of those, if the Steelers managed to get one of those players, uh, which one do you think would be better suited to be like a slot receiver? And, and which one do you think is more of, and you think either of them are more, you know, a dedicated outside receiver? Uh, which one would fit there, you know, in the slot better if they were both available at 20 some through some miracle? I've, I feel good about both. I will say if I had to pick one, it would be Garrett Wilson because as a junior, uh, Wilson played the slot a lot. Um, and this year, as a senior, he moved to the edge, and he played both, both ways. So I think naturally, Wilson could do both. I wouldn't doubt that Olave could learn it, but if you're looking for like a plug-and-play person at the slot, i definitely pick Wilson over Olave. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I had an article today about suggesting that the Steelers should consider listening to any offers for Deontay Johnson because of – they're already in a situation you're looking at Debo Samuels with the 49ers and he could be setting a precedent with guys that are wasn't first round picks that are, you know, outplaying their rookie contracts. And they're like, Hey, you know, I'm going to hold out if you don't give me an extension. I'm not sure that Deontay Johnson would think that way, but in the system, the way that it's going to be this coming year with Ben is not going to be there. Hopefully the offensive line is going to be better and the running game they will probably hopefully be doing a lot of uh, snaps behind center, rollouts, you know, misdirection plays, and hopefully more of the skill or skill set players will be involved this year. Where last year it was like you got less than two seconds to get the ball out. Who's the guy who always can get open the quickest? That was Deontay Johnson. So he led the league in targets. You know, this year I don't know if he is going to see that same amount of opportunities. And, you know, going into the last year of his contract, he's going to want to have a big season. I just see there could be some problems or concerns on the horizon. Um, so what do you – of the two guys, uh, you know, Johnson cannot play the slot. He, he doesn't have the requisite toughness. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't have the run after a catch ability. But you think that, that Wilson could – Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think you can plug Wilson right in. I mean, take him Ohio State cap off. And, you know, I cover Ohio State down here for the Columbus Dispatch. Um, I, I will tell you the disappointment I've had with the Steelers over the past year. I don't think Deontay Johnson or Clay, 
Chase Claypool are bad receiver options. I just think they haven't played to their full potential. I think they both, uh, Johnson was the same. He was kind of unfortunately erratic, but Claypool regressed last year. And I think you need that consistency. And I really think, I mean, we can have the same discussion if we talk Steelers quarterbacks. I think either way, no matter who they picked up recently, the Steelers need to draft a quarterback. The Steelers need to draft a receiver. With their other needs, I'm not quite sure if they're trading up for Garrett Wilson, but Garrett Wilson wouldn't be a bad guy or another receiver that's out there. Heck, there's 20 that are going to go in the first three rounds. Another guy that could come in and say, hey, let's have this guy as a plug-and-play in the top three receivers. Because you know it's NFL 2022. You need three good receivers. I'm not quite sure if the Steelers are quite there yet. They've got two Almost theirs, but even if Claypool and Johnson play up to where they should be, you still need that third guy. I don't think you have that quite yet. And I think there's a lot of receivers from Garrett Wilson and some of the other 20 receivers who could definitely fit that bill. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, we lost your volume a little bit. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I muted myself. Sorry. Uh, we, had, we had a little bit of chaos here. Um, but uh, what one of the things I have been thinking about recently, especially with uh, a lot of the holdouts in the NFL, the contract demands, and how much college players have embraced the transfer portal and how many times we're seeing people transfer to a better situation that fits them better and then, like, excelling, right? It, 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 that's happening all over the country. Are we going to see more of this where we, these receivers, specifically with receivers, because they're so dependent on the system and the quarterback, coming into the NFL, maybe seeing, hey, you know, this isn't the best spot for me. And kind well, of forcing their hand to say, hey, you, you need to let me go someplace else. Because they're used to that college and they're seeing that success happen. Where instead of like Emmanuel Sanders waiting for the for uh, basically for the Steelers to run out of time to use him to go to Denver and take off, are we? Do you think it's likely that we could see receivers taking more charge of their careers and saying, "Hey, send me to some place where I fit better"? Yeah, simple answer. Yes, I mean, I think in today's uh, NFL, uh, you see two things happening. First of all, like you used to think of, like, man. If we only had a great running back, like if you look at the days when O.J. Simpson was ruling the land uh, as a great running back, or Walter Payton, or Barry Sanders, or something like that, today you need a good receiver, you need a good quarterback. I, I mean, that's that's what propelled you know the Rams to win the Super Bowl. That's what propelled the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you, obviously the Chiefs, the Bills, other teams like that did well. So you definitely need to have that. Secondly, and here's a concern. NFL's printing money. I mean, they're, they're taking in so much money then. The salary cap's going up, which is great. But the problem is the players aren't going to say, oh, the salary cap's going up. We'll keep our salaries the same. No, they're going to want a bigger piece of the pie. That's why Deshaun Watson, with all the allegations against him, got a guaranteed $230 million contract. That's why Derek Carr, who's an okay quarterback, I wouldn't call him a superior franchise quarterback, got over $40 million a year. It's going to be like that. That's why Deontay Johnson, where maybe at the beginning of the offseason, we're like, well, is $15 million enough from him? It's not going to be enough. And not to say Deontay Johnson's a franchise receiver. The cost of doing business in the NFL is going way up. Where even an above-average receiver, that I believe uh, Deontay Johnson is, is going to ask for more money. So the thought is, is how do you combat that? And this is going back to what we're talking about, the NFL draft. What's interesting is you can get these guys on rookie contracts. That was a hard thing with Ben with, over the past couple of years for the Steelers. 
he wasn't the Ben he used to be, and you're paying him $35, $40 million off your cap. If the Steelers get lucky and, and have a, a success, even with a draft pick or Trubisky, <laughs> you're paying that guy a rookie contract or just a little bit above that. You have so much more money to spend over places. That's why the Bengals are in good shape this offseason. So, I mean, you know, you're right. It's going to be a problem. People are going to ask for more money, and teams are going to have to figure out how to deal with that. But the good thing is at least they'll have more of a salary cap to work with. It's just going to be a lot more expensive league to play in if you're an owner. Yeah, the, the increase in the salary cap is about like getting a raise, and then you have inflation, so you really don't yeah. see the benefit of the raise. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars to thank for the situation, I believe, because they reset the, re- the receiver market by overpaying for two mediocre wide receiver two guys that, you know, Kirk has potential, but they overpaid for two guys because nobody wants to go to Jacksonville. So you have to overpay to get guys to come in to play with Trevor Lawrence. Well, then the Browns go, and they overpay and go absolutely crazy to get Watson because, again, nobody wants to go to Cleveland. And so those teams are resetting the market, basically bidding against themselves like, the Yankees did with Alex Rodriguez back in the day. And and those guys screw up the whole market for everybody. That being said, oh. you uh, – I'm going to kind of throw a little curveball with that. Sure. You are familiar with Jameson Williams because he went to Ohio State, and he was sitting behind these two guys. And so I, I'm assuming that they were better or better fits that kept him off the field. Because he goes to Alabama, and everybody talks about this year's crop of receivers. There isn't a Chase, Jamar Chase. There isn't that superstar guy. There's a lot of really, really good guys, but there isn't a guy that's going to make that kind of difference. I've heard that. Of the guys out there, to me, Jameson Williams and that speed and that big playability is more like Chase and has more of that splash playability than anybody else. What was the reason, from your view, that Williams couldn't get on the field with Ohio State? Yeah, it may have been. I mean, I don't know the exact reason why he didn't get on the field for Ohio State, but it could be a perception than anything else. It could be saying, hey, maybe this year I'm number three at Ohio State. I can get better numbers if I go somewhere else like Alabama. Um, You know, Ohio State's a different uh, bird. I mean, a couple years ago, they had a choice whether to start Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow. And if you look at today with Burrow getting the Super Bowl, you say, okay, Burrow was the right choice. Well, it was a wrong choice because when Ohio State picked Haskins, the next year Haskins shattered every Ohio State passing record by throwing for 50 touchdowns. So, you know, it's kind of like comparison apples and oranges. Maybe at that particular time, Jameson said, hey, where do I stand with you guys? Now, Ohio State's like, great, you can play. You're going to be the number three guy. And, and Williams is probably like, hey, I'll, let me go somewhere else, a big program, and put number one numbers. That'll help me out. And, you know, that's the choice you have in today's college football. You took advantage of it. Um, I like Jameson Williams. I would definitely drop him in the first round. I think that injury history would concern me. Um you know, that's something that you want to make sure he's healthy and you want to make sure he's okay. There's a lot of guys like that in the um, draft. We look at James Williams. We look at Stingley from LSU. If they didn't have that injury history, those guys would probably be top five. Um, so that's one concern that I would have in drafting Williams over Olave and Wilson as we sit here right now. All right, real quick, I want to get before we have to let you go. Sure. Uh, I want to I get into – some of the other prospects here. Jeremy 
Rucker, uh, tight end from Ohio State. He he looks, and I've seen him compared to it. I watched a little bit of film, not much, but he's drawn some comparisons to Pat Fryermuth, just on an offense where he could never be one of the higher end targets. Like he was never. You got Garen Wilson and Chris Olave. You're never going to be one of the top end targets. Right? Is he that? Does he have that kind of potential? Do you see that, or is he a guy who thrives? in an offense because of the guys that, that draw attention away from him. If you need a tight end, Jeremy Rucker would be an interesting guy to put on your team. He's a really good blocker. Um, Jeffrey, as you said, um, he's got a lot of potential in passing. I'm not sure if it's fair to compare him to Fryer Move right now. I think he could develop into that. So if you're looking at and I don't see the Steelers in need of a number two tight end, but if you're in need of a number two tight end, I think he's a guy you can put in right away because he won't disappoint with blocking and you can help him develop his receiving game. He's He's an interesting prospect. I see him, uh, I've heard fifth round for him, which may not be the worst thing even for the Steelers. They think they need a, you know, a tight end even at number three. Um, but, you know, he's a good guy. I wouldn't invest a ton into him because he's got a lot to prove. There may be better options out there. But Record's a good guy. He's never complained. He's been a great blocker. And when they've asked him to catch the ball, he's done well. If I remember right, it was the Sugar Bowl, I believe, last year when Ohio State um, – you know, had the had the big win over Trevor Lawrence. Rucker caught a couple touchdowns. They they called upon him and he succeeded. And he did well. I just don't. I, I just don't think you should overdraft Rucker. But I think Rucker could be a solid guy. That that could be a, a good part of your team. I just wouldn't uh, compare him to elite tight ends right now. Okay, Shannon. If I can, if I can follow up real quick, I'm sorry. Sure. Got cut right here. Uh, you got two offensive linemen, Nicholas Teddy Frere. And Thayer Munford are uh, do both do they have both I believe played multiple positions on the line. Uh, where do you where do you see them going in the draft? And would either of them be kind of the you know I think the Steelers have room to add a tackle with some flexibility uh, to play some other with you know as a backup kind of to develop. Do you see either of those being a fit for 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 the Steelers offense and, and kind of what we're looking for in a tackle? They could be. Um, you know, the first guy we're looking at, like, maybe round two, probably round three. I, I think the thing with the tackles is, what do you want to do there if you're the Steelers? Uh, you got Dan Moore, who showed some promise at the end of the year. You got Chucks that – he's a work in progress. I'll, I'll be polite tonight and say that. Um, I don't know if Freddie Fair or Mayf- uh, Taylor, uh, Mayford – sorry, I can't talk tonight – um, if either one of those guys are a plug-and-play as a tackle, I think you could draft them. I think the Steelers definitely need a tackle. I think as long as you don't overdraft them, they're a good choice. I just don't know if you could say, hey, uh, Choke, Stan Moore, you can't start because these guys are going to come in in front of you. Uh, these are developmental guys. Uh, Mayford's a four-year starter, which is good. Uh, but Thayer, you know, is picked as a fourth-round guy. Um, the first guy, he, he only played two years. He's got a lot of potential. Uh, but like I said, I'm not sure if you can start him right away. Okay. Well, I was going to say that um, the tight end position this year, man, it's it's real average. Uh, you Thankfully, you know, I was real upset when the store stuck Firemuth last year over Humphrey. But then looking at this year's tight end class, Firemuth would easily be the number one tight end in this class. So, you know, when you look at value that way, he was a good pick. And, I think both of those tackles for Ohio State could be good project guys. To you know, either one of them bringing me in 
let them develop. Uh, but again, like you said, they're not plug and play guys. And but if more in Tukes works out, like hopefully they will, they, the stars don't need that right now. But they do right. need depth at tackle. So. Yeah, I mean, none of these guys are bad guys for your team. It just matters where you draft them at. Like, I I wouldn't be comfortable either one of these guys, maybe even with a third-round pick. If you get these guys in the fourth round later, that's good. But a fourth-round pick isn't something you definitely want to start. And it's kind of like thinking, is there other needs that the Steelers have at this position that might be more – you know, demanding for the Steelers. Um, you know, it's a classic issue that they're facing with their number 20 pick. I mean, yeah, it's very intriguing, you know, to get a guy like Malik Willis if he's still around, but he's a developmental guy. And you might sit there and say, well, there could be other guys that we could start right away on the defensive line of the, the safeties. And I kind of look at that as the same issue that you'd be facing if you draft one of these Ohio State offensive tackles. They could be great, but if you need help right now, I'm not sure if you – I mean, you can always start them, but I'm not sure if that'll be a great option for you this first year. Just uh, to finish off our draft prospect talk, I know we're running out of time here. Uh, is there anyone left that you look at going into this, uh, the draft for Ohio State that, that that really stands out to you as a as a player that could be a diamond in the rough, someone that uh, is either getting underrated or overlooked or you know could develop into something more than what they are right now? Of the guys left that could be drafted, I'll give you an intriguing story. Um, Haskell Garrett, um, he was shot in the face in 2020 on the campus of Ohio State. He was trying to break up a fight. Some people say, hey, is his career done? He's not playing anymore. He came back to Ohio State, and not only did he come back, he had a decent year last year. He had five and a half sacks, seven tackles for a loss. And you might say, well, that's not compelling. Well, he's looked at as a fourth or fifth round draft pick, so I'm not saying he's going to go top ten in the NFL. I love his story. I love his attitude. I think um, when you look back at Ohio State last year, their offense was amazing. Their defense stunk. And I, I think partly the problem with Garrett is he played on a really inferior defense. I think Garrett could be that project that could be interesting. Um, you look at the Steelers, yeah, I know there's uh, a couple of guys from Georgia that, that's being looked at as first-round picks. If they decide to go elsewhere, maybe receiver, quarterback, wherever else they go, maybe a, um, a Garrett is a guy that, yeah, I wouldn't start on day one, but, you know, with Alulu and, you know, Cam Hayward and hopefully Stephon to it, you know, the Steelers may not have to start him year one. So that could be optional if they choose to wait to fourth or fifth round. He's a good story. Uh, Willie Penn in the NFL, we don't know. But I like guys like that who play hard, play well, are showing some promise in the mid-rounds. All right, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking. Uh, before you go, is there anything you want to plug uh, that you, you have coming out? <laughs> yeah, I got too much coming out. So give me a second. I'll, I'll go to three really quick. Um, if you like the Ohio State Buckets, and I know we're here on a Pennsylvania podcast that some people might say, oh, Ohio State, rivalry about Penn State. But if you like Ohio State, check out dispatch.com. Uh, you can subscribe online. Tons of great coverage about Ohio State throughout the year. Uh, you can keep up with Ohio State if you like them, or if you say, hey, they're the enemy. Um, you want to read about them, you know, so you know about them. Dispatch.com offers a lot of great uh, coverage there. Um, check out our own show we do for Behind the Steel Curtain uh, Network, um, the Pittsburgh Show Power Half Hour. We're, we're recording later tonight. We're going to talk more draft, um, so it would be interesting to hear. So check out Curtain Call, but also our show too. And then Paul, Joe, and I, the guys who do the Behind the Steel Curtain show, 
We also have a separate show called Etc., where we just talk about fun pop culture stuff. We get a little goofy. We take our Steelers hats off. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be doing a movie commentary for the movie Weekend at Bernie's. So we're going to sync that up, play it together, and give our own commentary. So, you know, I wouldn't watch that over the draft or even our coverage, but if you need another podcast to listen to, check out Etc. Show. That's on the Ohioans. So wherever you get your podcasts, type in Ohioans, subscribe, and You'll be my friend forever. Uh, thanks, guys. It was fun being on with you. Thank All right, Chris. Chris. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay, Shannon. Of all the Ohio State prospects we're looking at here, uh, and thinking like where they would, what they would probably take to for the Steelers to get them, which one stands out to you that says that's a guy you, that you would really like to see the Steelers go get? Well, the Steelers. As you know how I feel about it, they need wide receiver help. They need an influx of talent. And they need, I think, both the slot and on the outside. So I like Wilson uh, because, as Chris said, he can play at both. He has that versatility Mm -hmm. more than Alave. So uh, I think that the uh, value pick is, is his last name Frere. Is that how you say it? Yeah, uh, Petit Frere. Frere, yeah. Um, You know, he was one of the top tackle prospects coming out of high school. He was a five-star, which, you know, Ohio State gets a lot of them guys. And he's never had the huge season or or the breakout season, but he has put up some good film. So I think that, like we was talking earlier there with Chris, if you get him, you know, stores don't have a fifth-rounder. So if you pull the trigger in the fourth – it's a guy that could set, you know, a year, maybe be a swing tackle. It might, you know, because he does have the pedigree to develop into something more. Yeah, I. that's actually uh, one of my favorite picks looking over this class has been Petit Frere because he has versatility. He has, uh, he has the size, he has the length that the Steelers like in their tackles. He can play both sides. Like he's just a natural swing tackle with good develop, with good potential going there. For the wide receivers, I actually like – Chris Olave a lot for the Steelers because I don't think they need a volume target like a Garrett Wilson. I think they need a guy who can impact the game with some big plays, which Wilson can do, but I, I think you could you could get Olave a lot later than Wilson's gonna go. I, I think it's a potential you could see him fall. But I, I, I think I think I can speak for both of us. I'm I'm just gonna assume you agree with me and I'll I'll give you a chance, but uh no wide receiver in this class is really a guy that I'm going to say we have to go get that guy mm-hmm. because there's so many that you can sit there and say, okay, we'd love this guy, you know, but the gap between him and this other guy we could get isn't that big. So if, if, if this guy goes here, we can wait and see who falls, mm-hmm. right? We can, and even if you, you go second round, you're probably still going to have some good options for maybe not a superstar receiver, but a guy who's going to impact your offense and be a player that's going to help. Would you agree with that? Oh, I definitely agree. We both get draft crushes. And each yeah. year, you know, my ones I've had in the past, uh, which I won't, won't go back over, but uh, Creed Humphreys. But uh, <laughs> this yeah. year, I, I love Chad Muma, an inside linebacker out of Wyoming, and a receiver. I love Sky Moore from Western oh, Michigan. Yeah. Sky Moore – He's a local kid. 
he he's grew up loving the Steelers. He grew up trying to emulate Antonio Brown. The work ethic part, hopefully not the uh, character part, but <laughs> he reminds me of AB in that he is smaller, but he's compact and he plays much bigger than his size. He breaks mm-hmm. a lot of tackles. He's hard to bring down. He runs the ball almost like a running back, kind of like a smaller Debo Samuel. I think he is a great fit for the Steelers. I think he's a guy who can play in the slot because you cannot put Deontay Johnson in the slot. Yeah, uh, but you can put a guy like Sky Moore. He can come in and play immediately. He can. He's even took carries out of the backfield in college. He can do a lot of the things that Matt Canada could use, where he's going to run more of his offense this year with a mobile quarterback, regardless of who wins the position. So, I am very high on Sky Moore. But it's again, it's one of my draft crushes. I I want to ask you two questions. We're talking a lot about wide receivers today, naturally with Ohio State's wide receivers grouping. And we got into, you know, the, the state of, of wide receivers in the NFL right now. If, and I, I don't think this will happen, but if Deontay Johnson came out and said, right, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to play. If he came out and said that I'm not playing this fourth year without a new contract, you know, trade me or pay me, which would you lean toward? Which one, which one would you go with? Would you trade him or would you pay him? Well, you might not have read my article today, but I, see, I did. That's why I'm asking you. I'm see, that, that's what I don't want to have. Robbing a softball because when that <laughs> happens, then yeah. his value plummets. Mm-hmm. So I'm suggesting that there is a real possibility of that happening because guys like Bill and and Tony Brown and different guys who've forced kind of forced their way out of town or forced the franchise's hand. It's now you're seeing that across the NFL with a lot of teams. And once that guy is known to be disgruntled, his value goes down. Now you've got Johnson coming off of a Pro Bowl season. Now I think that a lot of that Pro Bowl season was the massive amount of opportunities and the numbers based on an inept offense, which, you know, you know, that's just my opinion. But I don't see where his value is going to be higher than it is right now. You buy low, you sell high. This would be an opportunity in a deep wide receiver class. And I've heard people say, well, you know, the Steelers are already short on wide receivers, and that's true. I don't look at the Steelers as a contender, a true contender this year. I think they're in the middle of a rebuild, maybe a little past the middle where they've had a really strong offseason. I'm not saying you tank this season. I'm just saying that with the offense, if it's utilized like I think it's going to be, with the improvement of the young offensive line, I see other skill position players getting more involved, like Claypool, like Fryermuth, you know, whoever rookie receiver coming in would be. That is going to reduce Johnson's targets. He's going into his contract year. He might be realizing the same thing I'm saying. And the next yeah. thing you know, it might not only be Debo Samuel saying, hey, I want traded. So if that happens, everybody's going to know it, so his value goes down. So I, I was just making a hypothetical suggestion of what the Steelers could do to avoid that. If where there's smoke, there's fire, and I can see problems arising coming up on the horizon. So yeah, I, it has nothing to do with Johnson. It's nothing personal. You know, I've been a very big supporter of his, and I'm yep. I'm I was really uh, proud of him last year for all the improvements he made. You know, all the hard work he put in. Now he did have a, you know another case of the drops and you know, towards the end of the year, which kind of 
you know, marred that whole feel good story, but he, he showed that he was the only guy that could get open last year. So that, that wasn't his fault, you know, and it's not his fault. What's happened to the wide receiver market. I blame that on Jacksonville Jaguars, but Hey guys like, Hey, if this guy's getting paid that I'm better than him, you know, he's looking at Christian Kirk. He's like, Hey, wait a second. You know, guys are going to try to get paid and you know, you can't blame him for that. But the Steelers, I think, should be proactive rather than reactive in this situation. Yeah, no problem there. I I want to clear the air on something because on Twitter, at least, on Steelers' Twitter, uh, some of the articles I've written have gotten thrown around as the argument against Deontay Johnson. And and I think a lot of people have taken what I'm writing. I've looked back over it, and I'm like, okay, yeah. (laughs) I have been a big critic of Deontay Johnson. but not in not in saying he's not good, right? Mm-hmm. My point on Deontay Johnson is there are serious questions that need to be answered. Because I, one of my big numbers is is talking about his efficiencies mm-hmm. uh, and how he hasn't been efficient. But when you look at when he played with Mason Rudolph specifically, he was a much more efficient downfield target, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we don't know. Is he going to be that? You know, is he can he be that guy with with a different quarterback? Can he get the volume he got from Ben Roethlisberger and be more efficient? Because if he can do that, he's a star. He's a star wide receiver, and you can pay him then. Is he going to be a guy who has the same level of efficiency with lower targets? At which point, he's in a category of like tier <laughs> three wide receivers. You know, he's there's that's a dime a dozen. You can get those guys in the second round. They're all over the NFL. So. To me, you don't invest in this guy when there are serious questions as to what you're getting. And for the that means he's got to play this season out. And if he's not willing to do that, you got to take what you can get for him. Oh, I totally agree. Has he peaked? Um, I mean, the limitations that I listed in the article, I, I'm still, I stand behind them. It, you know, it is who he is. You know, his physique is what it is. And his limitations are what they are. You know, the, the thing is, is when, back in 2019, yes, Ben was out. But especially to start that year, the offensive line was still pretty effective. Now, as they realized the limitations of the passing attack, they started to overwhelm the line as the year went on. But the offensive line was still pretty solid in 2019. It's only gotten worse since then. And it basically hit rock bottom last year. Anytime you're trying to throw the ball down the field, it takes more than two seconds. It it just, that was the biggest drawback to the Steelers down the field passing game last year uh, was the inability of the offensive line because they couldn't establish a running game to back defenses off. And they couldn't give him enough time to, to stand back here. It hit these passes. Like you said, it was three steps back lob. I mean, that was, you know, that was what their deep passing game turned into. And, you know, if Claypool couldn't climb the ladder and get it, you know, or, or James Washington on occasion, there was nobody else that could really do that, especially with Juju out. But I I fear, I'm afraid that Johnson is what he is. He's reached what he's going to be. And I don't think that he falls into that upper tier category and some of these contract amounts that we're looking at. The Steelers are notorious for not paying wide receivers that second contract. What, Hines Ward, 
Antonio Brown. They let Plexico walk. You know, mm-hmm. as you said, Sanders. You know, how mm-hmm. many guys? Mike Wallace. You know, Mike Wallace turned it down. Brown took it. Bye-bye. That's how they look at it because they are – they were successful finding wide receivers. Part of that was because they had a Hall of Fame – future Hall of Fame quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who made a lot of guys look good. Yep. That's not going to be there now. Mm-hmm. So, I just don't know what a, how great a fit that Johnson is going to be with Trubisky or with Rudolph or with whoever. Um, because I do think we're going to see a lot of play action. We're going to see a predominant run attack, and they're going to play pass off of that run. And Johnson's strength is getting open really quick. He's not a down-the-field guy. Yep. He wasn't back when, when Rudolph was there. You know, he, he hit some passes. He's A lot of times his big plays is slants and run. Mm-hmm. You know, in the middle, in the open field, uh, not breaking tackles or you know anything like that. You look at the Steelers right now; they got Claypool, they picked up Boykins. Um, they can look at a Christian Watson or a George Pickens. They can have a, a huge wide receiver group uh, after this draft, and you know that really plays into this new offense and that they could block something Johnson's not good at, and that could be a real benefit that way. So that's why I'm basing my judgment on, you know, again, it's not personal. Like I know yours, you said it seemed like it come across a little negative at times, but it wasn't yeah. personal. <laughs> You're just pointing out observations. And, yeah. and I, and I agree with them. I, I want to throw this out to you. Cause this is, this is kind of a radical move, but looking at this market where the gap between the truly elite receivers and what they make per season, and the second and even third tier receivers, the Christian Kirks, what they are are going to get paid. Mm-hmm. The top tier of receiver is so much more valuable, right? Oh, if yeah. you have them, because you're 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 paying them five six million dollars more than you're paying a guy who's not worth half of what they are. With that in mind. And with the Steelers' offense in the position it's in, where you've got a Najee Harris, you've got a Pat Fryermuth, you've got a young quarterback, you've got a system that's going to you know, move the ball around and do some creative things, more like the system this guy currently excels in. Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. if you have to pay him, I think, what is it, $25 million, I think? 23 I think. 23 I think if I you're heard gonna pay him. Yeah. 23, 25 million, right? You're, you know, you're going to have to pay him that. But he fits what we're trying to do and would give you a three headed kind of monster on offense with Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth for any quarterback to use, right? He can jet sweeps, those kind of things. He's absolutely a beast on. What would you give up in a trade? What would you be willing to give up for Debo Samuel to sit there and say, okay, Wide receiver position for the next five years is solved. Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of Debo Samuel. I, I, that's why I wanted to ask yeah, you this. I was a huge fan when he was coming out. Um, he is a – he. you can't even compare another wide receiver's run after the catch ability with him because you have to go to a running back to mm-hmm. find somebody who can run the ball with the power and elusiveness that he has. I think he would – Pittsburgh Steelers fans would love him. He would be a fan favorite immediately because of his hard-nosed style of play, his enthusiasm. They lost that playoff game. He's over on the sidelines crying. Mm -hmm. He has guys 
from the Rams coming over consoling him. Because one, they you know they showed they seen how hard he played. Now Hardy was trying, and they respected that. They seen that real emotion. That you know he cared more about personal accolades. He wanted to win, and that's the kind of guy I want playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, I've said you know trade him straight up for Deontay Johnson. If ever if Deontay Johnson is as great as a lot of people in the thread, you know wants to argue, then trade him straight up. Uh, I don't think they're going to go for that. But in my opinion, the dude is worth a first-round draft pick because mm-hmm. I would rather have him than any other receiver in the first round this year. That's just how I look at it. You're getting a proven known commodity, a guy who's incredibly versatile. Now, he's come. one of the reasons he says he wants out of San Francisco is that he doesn't want to be used as a uh, – what, what did he call it? A uh, – um, a wide back or a wide, <laughs> you don't want yeah. to be that combo wide receiver running back all yeah. the time. I mean, he could do it some, but they was really using him like a running back out of the backfield a lot yep. in the playoffs. You know, he made him and Kettle and uh, that little running back. Uh, I cannot think of his name. They made, yeah. they made Jimmy G look like a pretty decent quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I think if you, like you said, you put Samuel on the Steelers with Claypool, with Boykin, with, you know, another guy, Johnson, you know, if you don't trade him, man, that's, that's a, that's a hoss right there, but that's a load. Them guys Mm -hmm. is going to put a hurting. It is going to make the job a whole lot easier for whoever the quarterback is and would play right in. His versatility would fit in perfect with Canada. I'd love to see that happen. I don't know if it will. It's kind of like a dream scenario. That's how I feel yep. about with Sky Moore and Chad Muma. If it happens, I won't. You'll know, man. You'll hear me here <laughs> hollering. You won't have to see me on Slack or on here. I'll be hollering out of excitement. But uh, yeah, I would love to get Debo, and I would give up a first round pick for it. I actually, I actually would do the same. I, I think he is an absolutely elite receiver, and there are pe- people talk about that system being a, a short pass and yard after the catch mm-hmm. system in San Francisco. But Debo Samuel's stats don't show that, right? Mm-hmm. That he was catching balls downfield too. In fact, there's two players, two players in 2021 that that had a yards per uh like when you look at their yards and you divide them up through yards per at the point of the catch, mm-hmm. right? Their average yards at the point of the catch and their average yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. Two players averaged seven or higher, or I should say over seven yards. In both those categories, per reception, and it was Debo Samuel and Jamar Chase, and that's mm-hmm. it. That's a great, that's, great class. Great, that, you know, it's a great guy to be compared with. <laughs> yeah, those are two guys that, that yeah. really, and you look at their impact on games. You look at their impact on their team's offense. They're the, that caliber of player. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely love if the Steelers trade if they traded their first round pick. And Deontay Johnson for like Debo Samuel and like a fourth round pick. I'd be mm-hmm. great. I'd be I'd be like, good move, way to go. You know, let's let's uh, let's do this. You know, let's 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 mm-hmm. go. Let's be an offense that that would I think instantly be better than last year's offense. Just simply the talent mm-hmm. there. Where Involved where do we sign? That. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll sign it right now. Yeah, you know, we're, we're on board. Let's do it, man. Pull the trigger. <laughs> Tonight, you know what? I'm I'm breaking the piggy bank. You and me will buy the Steelers. We'll trade. We'll get this trade done. 
<laughs> oh my god. I can't never get them to return my phone call. So I don't know if they'll <laughs> if they'll, you know, try to make a deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could call the Steelers and be like, hey, hey, we're here to orchestrate a deal. Kevin yes, Colbert. Yes. Yes, we're, gonna, right. we're gonna work for you for free here. Yeah. This is yep. a secret we're gonna trade. Um <laughs> I'll be I'll be hunt and you can be con. There we go. There we yeah. go. We'll take it over. Yeah, they, but, they, uh, they don't need them guys. All right. Uh before we get going here, I think we're we're heading up here towards the end. Is there anything you wanna you wanna plug there, Shannon? No, uh my article actually posted today. And uh, we had a great discussion thread on it. Uh, you know, it's always good when people understand the premise of the article, the suggestive nature, you know, not it, when it's not in a personal attack. And, and the vast majority, uh, you know, we had a great discussion. And you see that Johnson is respected uh, mm -hmm. within the fan base. Uh, I think a lot of people's being honest you know, about limitations and all. But as far as if we've got to the point now, if you try to be honest, uh, whether you're writing an article, doing a podcast about a player, it's almost like, well, you're making a personal attack. That That's not it at all. And and this is nothing to do with, uh, you know, if you're talking about character, I guess it would be, but that's never been an issue with Johnson. And, and again, like I said, I don't, I, I foresee some problems maybe coming up, uh, with the way this offseason is shaping up at this wide receiver market. But he's never been a problem. I'm just saying that if it becomes any kind of situation like that, then that's going to hurt his value. So that's why that was the intent that the article was written with. And thankfully, you know, we had a great discussion thread, and, and most everybody got it. Um, I have another article I'm working on, but I, I'm not you know, to a point I can plug it yet. So, uh, that's all I got right now. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, mine. Mine went out today with Dave Schofield, our Vertex. Uh, mm -hmm. Last week we did Dan Moore Jr. and we covered his Week Eight game against the Browns, where PFF gave him a zero mm -hmm. uh, pass blocking grade. This week, I, I intentionally avoided this game in film rooms for across the board because the Week Seventeen game against Cleveland. Ben Roethlisberger's last home game was so emotional. The team went out and basically played one of the best games around Ben Roethlisberger. You could, ben Roethlisberger played probably one of his worst games ever. You could tell mm -hmm. the crowd, the moment just kind of got to him. I think it knocked him off his, his you know, killer instinct kind of mode. He was kind of taking mm -hmm. it in. He, he himself was not good. The team rallied, won it for him. But you want to see a 180 in performance mm -hmm. by an offensive lineman. Look at that game. Dan Moore Jr. went from barely holding on and trying and just doing everything he could Surviving. to survive <laughs> yeah. Miles Garrett to absolutely winning that matchup throughout the game. Mm -hmm. Throughout the game, just consistently beating Miles Garrett. Such improvement, such improvement in his 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 mechanics, everything. You could tell the guy was just focused and on his game. If you want to see that, man, you want to see the potential upside for Dan Moore. You want to see what we hope. He can consistently be man. Watch that. Watch that. Uh, go read that vertex. Look at that one. Really good stuff. I I commented on the article. It was an excellent article, and I always enjoy the vertex. To me, and towards the end of that game, and everybody wants to talk about Garrett was dealing with injuries. Well, so was more. Yeah. And and so, but that point in the season, everybody's dealing with an injury. 
But to yep. me, Garrett, he, he didn't try as hard. Is that game going on? He, he got frustrated. And he's like, yep. oh, man, I, I owned this guy last time, and I mm-hmm. can't get around him this time. Mm-hmm. And at the start, I think they helped build Moore's confidence by giving him a little bit of help more than they did the first time. But yeah. still, most of the time, Moore matched up one on one. He did. He got the job done. And like you said, yep. complete one eighty. So that bodes mm-hmm. well for the future. Oh, I, 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 I. Ooh, man, this is this is something. This is not what you throw in at the very end of a podcast. But get excited about it, man. <laughs> that is something I see in Miles Garrett all the time. Yeah. If he has a matchup, he can exploit. The energy, oh, yeah. the enthusiasm, yeah. the power, the physicality he brings is a completely different level yeah. than when you see him in a game where he's not having success and he almost just mails it in. Like that, the one run play I put in there, Miles Garrett gets like two hands on Dan Moore Jr. and just kind of stands there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're running like right past him, and it's like Miles Garrett, like you took a loss there, but dang, that was third down, man. Like you gotta yeah. put some fight into it. He just walled him off, and he that. let him wall him off. Yeah. Yeah, he just, I mean, he just stood there. Yeah. Dan Moore did good, but I, I also mm-hmm. look at that, and I'm like, oh, Miles Garrett, where was the where's the energy, man? Your team was your team was fighting for this thing. You're talking about spoiling Ben Roethlisberger's last game, and yeah. you come out and just pff, don't he even won, do anything. He wanted to put Roethlisberger on the tombstone there, you know, yeah. in his yard. Mm-hmm. But he is more freak athlete than he is substance. You, I mean, it, always, that, yeah. I find it insulting when you they compare him to T.J. Watt yeah. or Aaron Donald. You watch them guys, their motor, their effort level, the consistency. Like we talked about last week, T.J. Watt will be held by two guys, double-teamed and held by both of them, and he's still trying to fight through. Yeah, Like you Finding said, Garrett, Garrett was standing there watching. So there's no comparison. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, not at all. We intended to go there. We have two minute little random, random thing, but uh, love it. Hey, love it. thank you. Thanks everyone for watching. Yep. Thank you, Shannon, for being on the show with me. Uh, thanks to Chris Pugh for coming on, giving us stuff about Ohio state mm-hmm. and everyone, to everyone in uh, listening, watching this podcast, make sure you're checking in. Uh, with Behind the Steel Curtain, all of our podcasts in the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Hey, have a great week. And as always, go Steelers. Stop and check them out. Models are back.